Welcome to Schoology and Me, a lighthearted podcast meant to bring you some information about Schoology, the learning management system for Fairfax County Public Schools starting in the 2021-2022 school year. I'm Aaron Sterling on the instructional side and... I'm Shane Wheeler on the information technology side. Welcome to episode number seven, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We are getting close to the end of the school year too, Aaron. Yeah, you know, I I was just thinking the same thing about that, Shane. I mean, we keep saying starting in the 2021-2022 school year, and and (laughs) that's coming soon. It's very true. However, we still have a little bit more time. So let's finish this year strong. Onward and upward. Buzz Lightyear. In our last episode (laughs) of Schoology and Me, we heard from some of the pilot school folks about their experiences using Schoology. We heard from Melanie, Caitlin, Karen, and Pyle, all about how Schoology makes it easier for students and teachers to work together by combining classes. So we need another question for this episode, Aaron. We need a driving question. Like, uh, how far is it to Cleveland? That kind of driving question? Well, Aaron, just so you know, it's 374 miles to Cleveland. And really, that is not what I meant by driving question. Hmm. Wait, are you sure it's 374 miles? it seems a lot longer than that. Which, which way were we going to go? We probably had north to 76, but seriously, we aren't oh, going, okay. Sterling. <laughs> this, is about, this is not about a road trip podcast. <laughs> I'm talking about a question that drives inquiry in the classroom, or in this case, the episode. Oh, well, oh, oh, so this is the type of question that comes into the mailbox. Yes, oh. and we received a question that is perfect to drive this episode. Was it, how has satellite radio impacted the availability of podcasts like Schoology and Me? No. (laughs) No, you can find this podcast, Aaron, online and through satellite radio. Uh, Okay. So, So what's the driving question, Shane? Well, here's the question, Aaron. All right. Which was sent in to us by Melissa Hoot from Cooper Middle School. And it is, how do you learn more about Schoology? That's a great question, Shane. There are many ways that the project team and others have created for people to learn about Schoology. I told you. So let's drive on to the find the answer. On our first stop to learning more about Schoology, we're going to visit the FCPS webpage. It makes sense that as the learning management system is Schoology and it's part of FCPS, people will be able to learn more about it there just by visiting the official website of FCPS, www.fcps.edu. And if you put a forward slash after that, and then the word Schoology into the URL, you will find the main Schoology page. Forward slash, huh? Forward forward slash, yeah. Okay. You can always use the handy search feature and search for Schoology. Whichever way you do it, there's a lot of information to help you learn more. There's basic information about Schoology, a section on why we selected Schoology as the learning management system, a section for parents, there's one for students, and then there's a whole section on support, how to get support. That is a lot of information in one spot and in one place, the FCPS webpage. Now, along with our own webpage, people can learn more about Schoology and learning in general, on the Schoology YouTube channel. You're talking about the official channel on YouTube, right, Aaron? Yes, yes, an official, not just any Schoology video on YouTube. These are videos created by the folks at 
Schoology, and it's really now part of Power School. So, you know, it might say the Power School Learning Channel. What is great here is that the videos aren't just click here or here's how to do that in Schoology. There are all sorts of videos on teaching with Schoology or videos to help support parents or help support students. And some of these videos we've included inside of the professional learning courses that staff are using to gain background on Schoology. You're right, Aaron. These professional learning courses are designed by members of the professional learning and skills team and are a way that FCPS staff are getting a strong understanding of how Schoology helps support the work being done with FCPS on, our learning model, and portrait of graduate skills. These courses are a way that we can help prepare FCPS staff to provide an engaging virtual environment and ensure greater equity throughout FCPS by promoting the values of universal design for learning. And since Schoology is a virtual classroom, and for many, the digital part of their physical classroom, ensuring engaging, equitable experiences is a must. So I think we need to hear for, from some people. That is a big part of this podcast, and we haven't done that yet, Aaron. You just want to give away more swag, don't you, Shane? Or shall I say, swag master, Shane? Hey, I don't mind being called the swag master, <laughs> but you need a nickname too. We should call you hmm, Swagster. Let's go with that. I am the Swagster. <laughs> All right, let's give out some super swag, Swagmaster. The supremely superb swag, Swagster. <laughs> okay, so, um, so why don't we interview some people that have their own cool name? In this case, it's a Twitter handle. Are you talking about the six Nova coaches? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly who I'm talking about. The six Nova coaches. Of course, that means six times the supremely superb swag. Nicely done, swag, sir. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Let's talk to the six Nova coaches. This group of pilot school experts have been using Twitter as a professional learning platform. And lately, they've been giving out awesome tips, tricks, and insights into using Twitter. Six Nova coaches, so excited to have you here on Schoology and Me. Why don't you each quickly introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Elizabeth McDowell. I'm the ESPITS at Kilmer Middle School. I'm Lindsay Fisher. I'm the ESPITS at Langley High School. I'm Margaret Sisler. I'm the ESPITS at Westfield High School. Um, I'm Regina Natal, and I am one of the ESPITS at Hayfield Secondary School. And I'm Tabitha Reber, the other ESPITS at Hayfield Secondary School. And one of you is not here uh, today, unfortunately, and that's Allison Costanza, right? Where's, where's Allison from? Allison's at Stone Middle School. So how did the six Nova coaches come about and how can people access your learning on Twitter? So we were inspired by the ITCs for All group out of Prince William County. Um, they're a group of tech coaches that were leveraging um, some existing relationships and realized a need in their schools to have something that is available to everyone. Um, we know that we were all in this pilot together and we leveraged our, our existing relationships. Several of us have worked together in the past. Um, and it, it just really grew out of some of that original collaboration in the pilot. Um, so we talked a lot about what was needed and how can we better support our staff. Um, and we knew that none of us could do it all. And so we started leaning on each other and thinking about how 
um, we can work together to create materials for our staff. And that grew into how do we share this more widely? And here we are almost a year later. That's awesome. And Margaret, can you remind how, how do people access this if they want to learn more? So you can find us on, on Twitter at Six Nova Coaches. Um, we share a lot there. You can also on that handle find all of our individual Twitters. Um, we are all sharing lots through um, through Twitter. Uh, you can also, if you're if you're a current SBITS, we've been offering a bunch of opportunities to learn and connect through the um, through the SBITS community. Margaret. I know that sometimes handles have different ways of, of uh, being spelled out. So uh, for people listening out there, how, uh, how is Six Nova Coaches um, spelled out? That's a great question because we use the, the number six, the numeral, and then N-O-V-A coaches. No underscores, no any other special characters, but always use that number six. Okay, so let's be school G specific here. What topics have you covered and how are you coming up with the ideas on what to post on Twitter? So with our Twitter account, we kind of tried to find topics that were relevant for that particular moment at some times, and then also thought about topics that might be relevant in the future for other times. Um, and so in particular, we spent a lot of uh, time focusing at the beginning of the year on things that people might have had some anxiety around or on some things that people could have small and quick successes with, uh, so that they so that, that that way there was some more information about things that we were hearing a lot from at school or things we knew were coming later, um, so that we could help people feel more comfortable and more confident in what they were doing. Um, then towards the end of the year, we revisited some of that, but we also tried to look through some of the county guides for media and tried to see where there were holes so that we could find places that maybe perhaps that other people hadn't seen before, hadn't seen that, were hadn't accessed as many times as we thought that they might need to. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to both keep student learning at the center of this, making sure that we're thinking about the best instructional practices and not just the how to click on the blah to get to the blah, because that's fine, but, th there's, but they already have all those resources out there. Like Margaret had said earlier, they do have those guides that are fantastic. So we're not here to reinvent the wheel. We're just here to show you what that might look like in your classroom, because that's sometimes the hardest part about trying something new is you're just like, well, what do I do with this? Um, so that's where we tried to find those topics. And those topics range from how to organize your classroom, um, the different ways that you can consider accessibility for students with disabilities or other needs. Um, we've also considered, you know, how do you, how could you use Google or the assessments piece or all of those to make really engaging, interesting, and uh, meaningful learning experiences for students? Wow. Um, I, I will say to you, the piece that I absolutely love hearing is that it's not a how-to. You know, you can see how easy it could be to just post, oh, here's how you do things. But really keeping students at the center is really the impressive part. So, you know, the topic of today being how do you learn more, you know, that this really fits that, that theme, so to speak, because it's really about learning. It's not about doing, how do I do this? So that's really great. Um, one thing that I was that, that I was curious about is um, you talked about, you know, um, at the start of the year, the things that you built were built uh, to increase comfort and confidence. 
from your perspective, do you feel like people during the course of the year have become increasingly comfortable and confident? And how about you guys? I mean, is that really where you're at, that it's taken a year, but we're on the road to feeling comfortable with this and confident with it? I think it actually came pretty quick. Um, I think that what was scary at the beginning of the year with that comfort level is that everybody had figured out how to build things, but there was like, especially this past year in Fairfax, we had three weeks for people to practice and learn. And then there wasn't anyone there to look at it and see if it worked. So I think that was the really scary part for our teachers at the beginning and probably something that now that people get the materials in April and don't see students till August, that's probably something that people are feeling right now too. Um, But I think almost as soon as those students got in and they worked out the kink here and the issue there, uh, people were rocking and rolling with this and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, I also think some of that confidence and uh, concern comes with they feel like they have to learn everything the very first second. And really, you just need to know how to post a couple things and get get this and that in there the first day. And then once you know how to do that, then you can add in another piece later on. And then by the end of the year, people are doing all kinds of great stuff or answering questions where, like Elizabeth said earlier, the teachers are now the experts here. I can do a lot of things and I can look a lot of things up, but really they're the ones who are coming up with these really innovative and fun ideas and the ones who are really making this meaningful for the kids. I I would agree completely that our teachers started Lindsay mentioned some quick wins right away and those built on each other. And then they were able to say, well, I saw this in a guide or I saw this on a, you know, I saw this on Twitter or I saw this on a Facebook group or whatever. And I want to know more and digging in and being curious that way um, really led to a lot of confidence and finding things that you know, weren't in my original training, weren't in anything in the modules, but now are indispensable. Um, so some of the, the things that teachers have done and shared with their colleagues um, has, those, those are the pieces that have really taken us to that confident place. We still have a lot to learn um, and we're gonna continue learning. I think this, this shift of being um, an expert at something before I start to, I'm going to continue learning and growing over time is really important to shift your mindset about that um, as you take on something as massive as learning a new learning management system and really thinking about how do I really focusing on what do I want students to know and do and then learning the tools that help us get there. That's, that's really the important part. Um, and redirecting those conversations as a coach is, is an important place. It's not just how do I create this? It's, well, what do you want kids to know and do at the end? And then let's figure out the tool that gets us there. I think one of the other great things about Schoology is how we're using it isn't just as a place to post assignments. We really are in Schoology for everything all the time. I would go to Blackboard occasionally, but I, as an Espitz without a classroom of my own, I didn't really have as much need for Blackboard as I do with Schoology, where now we've got our all faculty course and we've got an all student course. And this is really how we're communicating with everyone. And using that as a model has also made it more of a comfort zone for the classroom itself, because we can see on the back end, how we're using it and how we're using it to collaborate with groups, how we're using it to uh, replace our staff 
resource sites, how we're using it to communicate with students rather than sending mass emails. So there are lots of different ways that this is opening it up beyond just a learning management system to basically our virtual school and really incorporating all elements of our daily life through Schoology. So everything is supported. So it sounds like we had some comfort at the beginning, but yet there's there's the journey to come and learning more and more to learn. And that's exciting because, you know, from Shane and I's perspective, this project is, you know, is just getting started. We have a whole other half of the project to come because we have, you know, we're going to introduce more accessibility tools next year. Um, we're going to have, you know, a, a new assessment system that comes and integrates in. There's going to be a search feature that integrates in. So we're all going to be continuing to grow and learn. So it's exciting to hear that there's always more to continue learning and that the student is really at the center of everything that you guys are doing. So that's super impressive. Another question we had is what are the top two or three things that students, parents, teachers, or administrators should know about or how to do in Schoology? One of the top things for both teachers and students is that there are a lot of different ways that you can do things. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility in Schoology. If you're not comfortable with one way, you can try it a different way. Uh, that said, because there's so much flexibility, have grace with each other, both with teachers, students, parents, everybody's learning this as a new tool. And one teacher may choose to assign things using Google Flavor 2, and another teacher is more comfortable using Google Flavor 3. Depending on which teachers students have, they may or may not see things right away or may or may not use them a lot. Uh, likewise, for ESPITs, um, one of the great things to utilize is uh, teachers on your staff and your students who have, or sorry, <laughs> teachers who have students in FCPS uh, because we don't currently have a way to see what the program looks like from a parent view. So using those teachers, getting that view and that access to be able to answer the questions of what do parents actually see, uh, reminding teachers that parents still won't see things that have been created inside Google because that's behind our walled garden. So just remembering what each group has the ability to see and remembering there's not one perfect exact way to do something. If one way doesn't work, there's an, always another way to find out how to do what you want to accomplish. Start with the end goal and you can get to it in some way through Schoology. Elizabeth, I'd love to add that the help guides from Schoology are incredibly helpful. They match exactly, they're really up to date. Um, they often have animated GIFs in them or a small video to help or just step-by-step -step directions. Um, and I use those a ton. Even though I've been using Schoology all year, there's still a lot to learn or another way that a teacher has discovered to do something. And I want to learn more about that. So those help guides are probably the most used piece that I, that I use. And what I was to add on to that, even building our own help guides, 
what has been really useful for us is having our students help us out. That was where I was going with the ESPITs, what you should know, is grabbing your students because students have that student view. They're the ones using these tools from that student perspective most frequently, and they're talking with their fellow classmates about what resources they need to be able to access and uh, complete work and uh, get to all of the tools they need to make their learning experience the best learning experience possible. So having those students and having a small team of students really help work on the tutorials that are targeted towards students has been really helpful for us this year. Sounds like there's a lot of flexibility in what you're doing and you're tapping into local expertise all the time in order to really drive forward the learning for everyone. Our teachers and our students are the experts. They are the ones that are using this most frequently and uh, getting that voice has been critical in this being a success. I, I, you know, I think Shane would agree that, you know, we've got a, an opportunity to speak to parents um, from parent groups and PTA groups, et cetera. And the same holds for our parents. They, they really contain a lot of expertise and are able to share with us lots of great insights. And we've grown a lot and, and learned a lot from our parent community as well. So it kind of holds across the board. Finally, kind of wondering, what's been your experience with Schoology? What's your favorite thing or things you want to improve? And this is for everyone. I think my favorite thing is, again, because there are so many ways to do things in Schoology, it really becomes that backward planning that we've always strived for. We can really say, what do we want students to do? And then how can we get there versus, well, this is the tool I'm limited to. How does that cut off what I can get the students to do in the end? So there's a lot more openness, versatility, flexibility in how students can display their learning. And I think that's fantastic. Um, in terms of what I would like to see in the future, um, messaging system could use some improvement. Uh, being able to give students more feedback uh, or being able to find a student to directly give them feedback. I know you guys have heard the messaging system. That, that could use a little bit of tweaking. I think for me, similar to Elizabeth, something that I really like about the system is that versatility of it, that there's a lot of tools that teachers are already using that work really well with Schoology. And there's also all these different ways that you can customize it or create these materials that will work well for students in really any content area or grade level. So I think that's pretty fantastic in there. Um, the thing that I might improve, I was thinking about this question more in terms of my own practice at my own school. Um, and I think something that I would improve based on the last year is working with people who aren't teachers to see what they can do in Schoology, particular with our student services and with our administrators, um, to see better ways that we can reach students that like through that isn't just the classroom. So how else can we get students more involved in school? How can we get students uh, more resources for mental health issues and things like that? So I wanna kind of work to see how we can make this really a one-stop shop so that everybody's kind of all involved in this same community space. I think one of the features that I love the most is the feedback for assessments and assignments um, and how many different options there are for teachers to provide different kinds of feedback. Leaving audio or video feedback for a student may reach a student in a different way than just leaving comments. Um, so I think that's really, really um, 
awesome. And it varies based on what kind of assignment you create. So that's really a way to keep it maybe fresher instead of always doing the exact same kind of feedback. Um, I also think the part I would like to improve is kind of on the same um, line as Lindsay, thinking about how we communicate clearly. What are we putting where? Are we duplicating ourselves? Um, we have a website, we have social media, we have our Schoology groups. How do we decide what we put where is, is one of those questions now that we know what can go where that we need to spend a little more time being intentional about. Regina? Um, Schoology actually, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think our teachers really um, took to it. Uh, I actually think that this crazy madness of a school year actually works in our favor with implementing Schoology as a pilot school because they had to try all of the things. They couldn't fall back on, um, you know, oh, it's just a place to hold stuff um, or it's just a place to put things. Um, they actually had to use it as part of their instruction and part of their planning. Um, so I actually, I think that really that worked in our favor. Um, and a lot of our teachers really, did a great job kind of digging in and becoming experts in certain areas and how they really use Schoology to enhance their learning. And I think next year, a lot of them are going to continue using it in a very similar way that they did this year, which again, I wonder if that would have happened if it was a quote unquote regular school year. Um, so I really think that the fact that it is, it is user friendly for the most part and easy to navigate. And then of course, the fact of you know, they really thought about how to use it within their teaching and within their um, presenting materials and using and interacting with, um, you know, it's, it's that good segue um, and really I think worked in their favor. And I really like that about Schoology. It's very user-friendly on both the teacher and the student side. Um, things that I wanna see improved uh, are some of the assessment things. <laughs> Uh, we had a couple of teachers that really loved the uh, creating assessments, but they can't export to be able to really dig into the data. They can't save any of those scores, things like that. So some of those assessment pieces, I think, um, were things that uh, I would like to see improve that's outside of my control in terms of things that are within my control, um, really looking at and digging a little bit deeper into organization and making sure that it's somewhat consistent so students when they go into one of their Schoology courses can easily see and navigate to exactly what they need and exactly what they want no matter what class they're in. Um, so that's one of those within my control things that I'd like to see improved rather than the, hey Schoology, we need help. <laughs> um, so that's kind of my, my overall feeling about Schoology, but it's, it was, I think it was really great um, implementing here. I think our teachers really did a great job of kind of taking it and running with it. And you can tell we're at the same school because our answers are going to align very much as she's speaking. I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with Regina. That's what I was going to say. Um, so really, like nobody asked to do a pilot in the middle of a pandemic. However, like she said, like it did give us a really good opportunity to define a learning management system. Google wasn't a learning management system, and it's what we were using because it was more accessible and easier to navigate for our students versus Blackboard. So now we have this place that we really had to dive into and decide like, what does this look like within our class? And within that redefining, 
our teachers realized and, and we all learned the importance of explicitly teaching some of the skills. This is what an assignment looks like in my class and here's how you turn it in. This is how you access this and here's how you turn it in. And that was harder because of the environment we were navigating it within, but it really gave us a great opportunity for our students and our teachers to really look at what does this mean in my class right now? And here's what this looks like. And we really revealed all the pieces without assuming anything. And that was really nice as far as our success and made things a lot more positive. Um, improvements for, for me, assessment was our big thing. We had a lot of teachers that, that did play with that and really wanted to have data dialogues within a CT and things like that. Um, I really think that I wanna find more ways for our students to collaborate within Schoology, not just like the Google element of Schoology, but actually being able to work together within Schoology in a better way than the clunky messaging system and things like that. So those are the things that are in my control. Um, Aaron, one thing I was thinking that I don't know where it would fit. Um, yeah. I think people feel overwhelmed um, because there are so many things to say and do and know and some way of giving yourselves and your staff permission to um, learn and start small. Um, it kind of comes back to what we always said with FCPS on with just one thing, make one meaningful change. Um, and, and really we were, we were in a really unique situation because of the pandemic that we had to figure out as many things as possible in order to meet our kids on the first day of school. Um, so we had this time crunch and we had this um, really a unique situation. And I know that the schools coming on will have a chance to meet their students face-to-face. -face. So there isn't as much urgency in this case, but I would hope that they also treat it with that much urgency because that urgency allowed us to learn a few things that got us going. And that was enough to then give us the confidence to keep going and try the next thing. It doesn't mean it wasn't hard. And those first three weeks weren't super frustrating, um, trying to figure out all the things and knowing all the answers. There's no way to know all the answers. Um, and that's okay. But figuring it out and struggling through it together with your teachers is really important. Um, and so I just, I kind of wish that for everyone, that, that early productive struggle that gets you to a piece, place of confidence so that you can keep going um, has really been amazing and hard at the beginning, but also that made it even that much sweeter because of it. And to add on to what Margaret said, that struggle, that sense of urgency also gave us the drive to create something that was entirely different. This wasn't, how do we replicate what we had with Blackboard and Google Classroom? How, this was a, how do we make this work as something new? How do we make this an actual extension of the classroom and learning rather than, again, just a, a place to post assignments? And I think that that sense of urgency that Margaret was talking about and that sense of struggle, it really helps drive that creativity. It's, you know, it's kind of funny because sometimes with success, you know, you don't have an emergency that's in front of you. And, and I really think that, uh, you know, that combination message of, you know, looking to do 
looking to struggle together, but also starting small. That's probably a message that everybody needs to hear. Well, six Nova coaches, we absolutely loved having you on Schoology and Me. We hope that more people will visit you on Twitter to learn more about Schoology. Please spread the word about Schoology and Me podcast, too. We would love to have more listeners. Especially considering our current listeners are cicadas and very... They're very unreliable, considering we basically have to crank up the radio from the car next to a tree for them to hear anything. <laughs> You're right, Aaron. I'm just not sure cicadas are a sustainable audience either. Nah, I'm, I'm thinking that's a no. You know what? We didn't, we didn't, again, second time, we didn't hear from the person who sent in our driving question. We, we, should, we should hear from that person. Oh, yeah. We should check in. Uh, oh, wait, we can't check in with Melissa, can we, Shane? Because the, she's on maternity leave. Maternity right leave, now. yeah, that's yeah, right. And, you know, you'd think that choosing between maternity leave, Schoology and Me podcast, it, it'd be close, but it, it's really not, is it? It's right. Pro- the important pro- thing is that she did still provide our driving question. Absolutely. Absolutely. She chose the question that drove this forward. So that's fantastic. Well, that's all the time we have for Episode 7 of Schoology and Me. We want to thank our guests, the six Nova coaches. Thank you. Yeah. Do you guys want to be on Schoology and Me? Send your questions to our email box at schoologyandme at fcps.edu. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-O-G-Y-A-N-D-M-E at fcps.edu. You think cicadas use Twitter? I don't know. They do a lot of buzzing, but uh, you know, back to that trip in Ohio. Yeah. Did you know the world's largest cuckoo clock is in Ohio? No. Sugar. Yeah, Sugar Creek to be exact. It's twenty-three and a half feet tall. That's a that's a tall cuckoo clock. This interview is produced by the Department of Information Technology, Fairfax County Public Schools.